Hello and welcome to this episode of I Don't Know Jack About Parenting, where today I have a special guest, Jeremy Roadruck. He is the best-selling author of the book, Your Best Child Ever. Is this game worth winning? So the big question is this. How are parents like us, who don't have a manual, who are doing the best we can, who feel as though we aren't enough, how are we going to raise healthy, happy children who we are proud of and still keep our sanity in that process? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Ryan Roy, and welcome to I Don't Know Jack About Parenting, a podcast for parents who are being real with themselves. Hello, and welcome back to this episode of I Don't Know Jack About Parenting, where today I am joined by the best-selling author, Jeremy Roadruck. Again, his book title is Your Best Child Ever. Is this game worth winning? Welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here, Jeremy. Brian, I am super excited to be here. The preliminary conversations we've had, we've had to like stop, wait, save that, stop, wait, save that. So like we're simpatico on some stuff and I love it. Let's go crush it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So allow me to introduce him a little bit further here. He is a Kung Fu master, a Pan American champion, a former member of the military. Thank you for your service. A former corporate wage slave, a former factory worker, husband, a father, Master Jeremy Roadruck has been through many seasons and adventures in his life. Today, he's a speaker, an author, as we just said, with the only parenting book that features a money-back guarantee. He's a teacher, a consultant to families, helping parents to teach their children to speak up and own their voice. I love that creating their own emotional safety by improving communication, understanding, and appreciation. Jeremy has also had his hardships, right? He's filed for bankruptcy. He's had his car repossessed. He's gone through a breakup and had to live in this, uh, this place of business because he lost where he was living. Wow. That all happened right after he came home with a slight case of pneumonia from a six-day stay in a hospital after his second lung collapse. Hey, Jeremy, that sounds like a fantastic week. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was incredible, yeah. And then he got to live out of a tent. Um, and, then he, and, and this is how I came across Jeremy. I've, I've, I've seen him on Facebook. He and I travel in some of the same circles, uh, being dads, being in the parenting circle. He's in a, a, a Facebook group. I've seen some of, uh, of his uh, amazing just uh, testimonials. He's done some lives in these groups. And I've always said, wow, that's a guy who has a passion for being a dad just like I do. Uh, so I'm glad that we finally connected. But, but the one thing, um, as, as I'm introducing him here is he put something out just the other day and it was, uh, uh, he talked about with the awareness of child trafficking, uh, on the rise, right in the news more so than not, which I became aware of this, you know, a number of years ago. Um, he just had a great post and I, I would like for you to speak to that a little bit and then we'll get into some other things as we go along on this interview. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, the hashtag save our children, it's a great meme. Um, I'm not sure who exactly is behind it. I've done, or done some digging and things. Um, and it's great. People are like sharing more posts, but there's also some just goofy reactional stuff and some overreach and some different things. And as I'm looking at the reactions, it's like, it's great. You want to post a meme and it's great. You want to like share a hashtag. What else could be done? Because unfortunately, the truth is 
awareness is of a bad thing increasing is great. Most kids, somewhere between 80 and 90% of the kids that are traumatized, it was by somebody they knew. It wasn't crazy, hairy guy jumps out of a van, snatches a kid and drives off. That is definitely the exception, not the norm. There are predators who are trafficking kids and doing very bad things, but it, it's someone the kid knew, someone the kid trusted. There have been pedophile rings, 200 people, and there were police officers, pediatricians, pastors, child psychologists, judges. I mean, there are people with power, with authority. They're not some wonky, weird guy in a basement living you know, in his parents' shack or something crazy. These are connected, powerful people. Um, one of the things I shared had people on both sides of the aisle going back, I think, 20 years who had been in positions of massive power doing horrible things to children. They're just acting with impunity. think they can get away with whatever they want. And so I put that post together because a lot of parents just don't know. They don't know how to read the signs. Or if they have a kid who's been through trauma, they're, they're trying to be a good mom or a good dad. And they're they're basically harassing their kid with questions and you can trust me and you can tell me what's going on. If the kid's been through trauma, they can't, they don't know they can trust you. Cause what do you want to bet? The abuser said you could trust me too before the abuse. Wow. And so now I hear you saying the same stuff and, and it's just, you know, mom and dad living in the light and being full of love and wanting to be there for their kids. And, and yeah, you can, you can tell me it's okay. I'm safe. But the kids aren't able to hear that because they're in a place of scarcity because their identity got nerfed by this bad thing. Little kids don't know how to disassociate. They don't know how to this bad thing versus I am bad, right? And I shared, you know, trigger warning, but I shared the, the situation. The first time I was abused, I was five. And I was out. We were on a military base in Saudi Arabia, and I was playing out past the security gate in the dunes in the construction area. And a security guard came down and he sequestered me off and bad things happened. And I couldn't tell my mom and dad because I was playing where I wasn't supposed to. I wasn't supposed to be out there. I did something wrong and I got punished. And that's what you do as a kid, right? You do something wrong, you get punished. So I already got punished. I deserved to be abused. It was my thought at the time mm -hmm. because I was where I wasn't supposed to be. But if I tell mom and dad, I'm going to get in more trouble. Not tell them I was abused or something bad happened, but tell them I was out past the gate. Uh, my brain stopped right there. If I tell them I was out past the security gate, I'm going to get yelled at. I'm going to get in trouble. I can't tell them. Wow. So now you, you, as you as an adult are saying, tell me, but if I tell you, I'm going to get in trouble because I did something I wasn't supposed to do. So there's a, a neurological battle in the kid because I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to shut down. Wow. That, that's, yeah. that, that brings up so many things. I'm actually going to talk about something that happened. It's, it's bringing up some things. I have, a, as my audience knows, uh, I have a nine-year-old. He just turned nine yesterday, so it's, it's pretty Yay. awesome to celebrate it. I told him we celebrated halfway for him to be out on his own, right? You know, so yeah. 18, you get to, you're halfway there. And, and, and it's, it's kind of exciting, you know, from that, from that standpoint. But, but uh, you know, one of the things that you're talking about, and I did a little bit of research on this because I had one of my own challenges. I personally, you know, thank God, never had to experience that myself. I, I'm not uh, someone who has been, you know, in, in that position uh, in my lifetime. But early on, and I would say parents, listen to your gut in a lot of ways. Uh, in, in my parenting experience, uh, someone in the family uh, had an, an Trigger number two for the show, for those of you out there, uh, had bathed with my son uh, when he was less than a year old. And uh, this is not uh, someone who is a blood relative, but they had taken a bath, uh, a male 
with my son when he was less than a year old. Uh, and I, you know, when I addressed it, I was like, look, I don't bathe with my child. I don't expect you to bathe with my child. It was someone who was, he was under his care. But the response to that was, how could you ever accuse me of anything? It was a lot of defensefulness, a lot of mm -hmm. uproar. And I was like, by pure response, I further don't trust this person. Like I yep. was leery. Um, and, yep. and I will say this is someone that's still close in the family, but there's no way he's allowed to be in my child's presence alone. And it's caused yep. an uproar in the family in a lot of ways. Don't uh, care. Because, because I, as a father, once I started doing my research, said that yep. this is what these predators do. They, yep. one, you know, they're going to see what they could get away with. Find out, oh, you yep. know, I took a bath. And it's like, oh, parents did nothing. Hmm. Yep. Their, yep. their antenna is not up. So this is easy, for lack of a better term, prey. And yep. uh, I have had these conversations with my spouse, my wife, many times. And whenever that person, when the holidays come up and are around, I say, listen, I'm going to keep my distance. I'll be respectful. But just, just know, she's like, he's not that person. I go the and, and listen and, and wow I can't believe I'm even talking about this on the show but I am but but the one thing I say is the only way I'm 100% will ever know if he is or isn't is the day that my son is violated and I'm not willing to take that chance right I don't right. know if you want to give some thoughts around that but no, no you're fine well what we do in my martial arts school we have a whole block a month of content that we do and it's four weekly themes and we talk about trusting your intuition and I have conversations with the students, but I have conversations with the parents because you're exactly right. If you're asleep at the wheel, bad stuff happens. It, there's a concept called grooming and the bad guy is just making the kid, the predator is making the kid feel more comfortable and get away with things without mom and dad knowing and it's okay. I'll treat you more like an adult because they're, they're wearing down the child's natural defenses. Mm -hmm. And if you go to someone and you say, Hey, I'm not okay with this. See, we make a distinction, nice versus good. Somebody who is good may do some things that aren't necessarily nice, like mom and dad. They make you eat your vegetables, and that's not nice all the time. But it's good for you. It's good for your body. It's important for your nutrition, blah, blah, blah. They make you go to bed on time. They don't let you eat candy and nonstop. So those are good things. I mean, those are, those, are, those are good, but not necessarily nice. Somebody who's nice but not good will make you feel wrong for having boundaries. They will make you feel guilty for not being comfortable around them. They will make you wrong for your standards, your values. Why don't you trust me? It's okay. I'm fine. I'm one of the good guys. When someone has to tell you they are one of the good guys, your flag should go up. Because why were you thinking that I, why were you concerned that I would think that you weren't one of the good guys? All I said was, I'm not comfortable with this. You say, you know what? My bad. You're right. That will never happen again. Thank you for letting me know. I didn't realize that was a boundary for you guys. Totally cool. I will always respect that. And that's where I was. Cause I think if I had roles been reversed and let's say I had done something, which I would right. have never done that. But if I had done something that crossed the boundary for somebody, right. I know yeah. in my heart of hearts who I am as a person that I would say, Whoa, you're absolutely right. Didn't look at it from that perspective. Uh, I, that, I totally respect that. That's the ability to have empathy. Oh, you know what? You're right. I can see that from your point of view. I agree. Okay. Now we're on the same page. I can trust you more. Yeah. Right. The, the truth is though, predators, even if they said that there's other ways they'll betray themselves because predators, they got a pred. They, they, they just have to live in that space and they're going to push on those boundaries. So like you said, listen to your intuition. You get that little funny feeling. Something doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem right. 
pay attention. When I tell the kids, your safety is more important than their feelings, right? Absolutely. That's anybody, adult, child, friend, parent, teacher, anybody. You don't feel comfortable, you get out. I I give my kids permission to walk away from me if they're not feeling comfortable, if they're upset about something, Mm -hmm. right? As long as what we're doing is in a safe place and, and things like that. But it's like, I don't feel safe. I'm taking a step. All right. I can respect that. You got to tell me what's going on. Don't just walk away. Right. Cause that's, that's a whole other conversation about respect and about integrity and listening, but I don't feel safe. Okay. Pause timeout. And we'll do timeout. I can put myself in timeout. You can put yourself in timeout. Right. I need to step back and get control of my emotions. All right, cool. Let's do that. Let, let's calm down. Let's all get back on the same page. Let's not say stuff we feel that we know isn't true, but we feel it. It's okay. And, and you know, take a step back, get calm. Now let's get back to the heart of things. That's okay. Right. But when somebody starts to like push back and they start to add into the argument and they start like, no, you can trust me. Why would you think that I couldn't? Why are you concerned that I would think that I couldn't? Like that's a flag. You're like, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. So what would you say to the parents that are, are sitting there, they're, they listen to their gut, they felt that, but it's like, oh, it's a family member or, oh, it's, it's his coach or like, hey, that guy's been coaching forever or this family member would never do that. Like, cause I, I, like, what, and, and they don't want to address it just because they think it's maybe their own imagination run wild. Maybe they watch a little bit too much TV, a little bit too many documentaries, too much of the news. What would you say to that person? your child's safety is more important than their feelings. Once traumatized, you can't unring that bell. Once sexualized, you can't unring that bell. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the dad groups I'm in, there's a guy struggling because his 12 year old is now addicted to porn because she was at a slumber party and a 13 year old showed her and her friends an app. And now at 13, she's sexually or 12, she's sexually awake and she's watching Pornhub and she's doing things. And he's like, you know, whatever, how do I handle this? Like, you don't, she's sexualized. That bell has been rung. So now you need to help her understand between 12 and 18, help her understand her sexuality, help her understand, not we'll go back to being a good little girl. Because a part of her that if she makes herself wrong for being, you know, I'm a bad girl because I'm doing these things and it's bad and dad's not happy with me. She knows how to be a bad girl. She's seen it in all kinds of movies. She's going to drive that direction faster versus you make it an okay conversation so it's what I put in the post. I said, if you get bad vibes about Cousin Bill, if your kid gets bad vibes about Cousin Bill, I guess Cousin Bill's not coming over anymore. Yeah. Like, why did we start putting the feelings and the concerns of other adults ahead of our own children? If my daughter's not comfortable with someone, we're having that conversation. Hey, babe, why, why do you feel that way? What's going on? Is there something specific? Is there is something? And, and I may, you know, depending on the situation, oh, this person's neuroatypical, they're on the spectrum. Okay, that makes sense. Their social cues, their social engagement system's off. I get it. But, well, they say these kinds of jokes. They, they sit too close to me. They like to pet my back a lot. They want me to sit on their lap. Yeah, no. If my daughter wants to initiate certain things, that's fine at five and six. But if you're wanting, requesting, placing, that stops now. Yeah. And I have no problem being confrontational and calling people out on it because what I've been doing for the last quarter century, I have no issue stepping into that stuff. That's fine. You can hate me. You can be mad at me. I don't care. I don't need your approval. You know, as you say this, the first thing you said is, hey, we're having that conversation. We're stopped. We're having a conversation. We're communicating. And, and in my experience as, as a coach also, right, I, I find that a lot of people have been shut down in their communication skills 
are not mm -hmm. where they should be. Yeah. Um, one of the things I tell my clients when they'll come to me and say, listen, I'm dealing with this situation. How do I handle this? You know, mm -hmm. how do I do that? And, and, you know, they're, they're fearful of how the other person's going to react more than anything. Uh, and I say, listen, the quality of your life, this may resonate with you. I don't know if you ever heard it, but the listeners, this is something I use all the time. The quality of your life is dependent upon the number of difficult conversations you're willing to have. Yep. Right. So if you're willing to have those conversations because we, we build this fear in our mind, what happens? We don't have the conversation. Something happens to your child in, in what we're discussing now. They're they're dealt with a trauma that they're going to have to deal with the rest of their life. Yep. Right. Because you weren't willing to have a difficult conversations because you're worried about a family member. There's no family member more important than your own children. Right. It's your job to protect them. Uh, right. And why are we challenged with that? Um, so have those yeah. difficult conversations before something really bad happens. And that's in every circumstance, no matter what yeah. the conversation may be, it's better to have the conversation, get it out in the open, understand who the person is and where they're coming from, good mm -hmm. or bad, so that you can make the best decision moving forward for you, your life, and, and in this case, your children's lives. Yeah. So you repattern fear and to face everything and rise. Right, you can f everything and run, or you can face everything and rise. Which way do you want to go? The kite rises against the wind, not with the wind. The only kind of fish that goes with the water is dead. You go with the flow, you're dead. Real fish go against the current. So life is against the current. Life is against whatever the mass is doing is wrong. And drop the word M because usually that's what the reality is. So you go against the grain because you've got to pick the places that you're going to stand. And you're exactly right with the conversation. I look at it physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, and then a relationship you could break into personal, professional, intimate. I call that the six dimensions of, of life, right? And so you only grow from the places where things don't work. If it was effortless and easy, you don't grow. You'd still be sitting in a, a fat, dumb, and happy in a diaper covered in your own filth. Mm. It's the ability. That's actually how we begin to socialize our kids, right? At two years old, we start saying no. And at three, they start to express some autonomy. We need that. We'll never develop empathy. You have to learn the world does not revolve around you. You're part of something greater than just yourself. That's how we begin the process of socialization and maturity. Pain is a vehicle to mature. Is it the only vehicle? No, over time. But it's what we need because kids are animalistic when they're baby peoples and they don't speak English real well or whatever language you speak. So that pain is a motivator to, I didn't like that. I want things different. And then they're willing to change. They're willing to go internal, make adjustments and come external. Cool. And now we calibrate. So then when you have a different, a difficult conversation, you can even just start off with, I'm curious. Because then you tell yourself a hypnosis. You tell yourself how you feel. I'm curious. I heard you say this. I take that to mean this thing. What does it mean to you? Do I have it accurate or am I missing something? And just by approaching a, a difficult conversation, being curious, now you can throw on, um, not Maxwell, but uh, Covey's thing, the seek to understand before being understood. Let me make sure I got you clear. Let me make sure I heard this right. Let me make sure I have this accurately. And you feedback your understanding that they can clarify. And now, I'm, especially my kids, I'm teaching them how to communicate and how to calibrate and how to, the resistance you get is part of the communication. They're telling you something by resisting. They're telling you you're not in rapport. They don't feel understood. They don't feel safe. They don't feel heard. Fantastic. Thank you for letting me know that. I will make adjustments. Because yeah. the goal is I want to get on the same page with you. 
Yeah, there, there's so much in what you're saying as, you know, and I'm sure you've learned this over the last 25 years of Kung Fu Master, studying parenting, studying human psychology. Uh, and what I hear you saying right there, and, and, and parents, listen to this for the protection of your child as we're talking about, you know, uh, human trafficking and the reality of that, but just predators uh, in general that are in our family or close by, uh, they're in our children's lives right now, is you got to get really good. And, and I, I wish more people understood this of asking really good questions because mm -hmm. that's the basis of good communication. You said first, first, first seek to understand before being understood, right? How do you understand somebody else unless you ask them a number of questions, right? So uh, if you're not well-versed in asking questions, right, go out there. You could Google questions. There's, there's, you could Google top 10 questions and the age of your child uh, what top questions you could ask an eight-year-old and get used to asking those to and from school, not now during COVID, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but we're, we're still in quarantine, but around the dinner table uh, as the child's going to bed. And as you get used to asking simple questions, hey, what was your favorite part of today? Uh, what is something that you did today that would have made mom or dad proud? What is your, just get used to asking these questions, then they get used to answering these questions. And then when you ask some of those more difficult questions, they're already well-versed in answering questions. And it may not be comfortable, but it's not going to be as uncomfortable as if you just come with the tough questions to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. And with teenagers, you might not say, you know, what was the best day today? You could say what was the most sarcastic thing that happened today because teenagers tend to focus that way. But, but the point is you have a flow of communication because then I don't have to agree with everything you say. You don't have to agree with everything I say, but we understand each other. We appreciate yeah. each other. We support each other. And as you build that bond with your kids, if something goes sideways, something that feels uncomfortable, they're comfortable talking to you. They can be more open easier. If you're in that place of judgment and fear, and this is a big thing too, especially with younger kids, they feel that large emotion that you're experiencing. They take ownership of it. They think it's their fault. Mm -hmm. It's my fault. Mom and dad are nervous or scared or upset or angry. I did that. And it shuts them down because they don't want you to be in that emotion. They don't want to get in trouble. So they distance and they don't share or they make up stories. Or they try to keep distance just to protect themselves from the consequences of your emotion. Wow. Right. I was talking with somebody about this and, and this idea that if I found out someone did something bad to me, bad to my child, like that, that desire for vengeance. I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. And it's completely the wrong thing to do because the kids don't necessarily recognize. So someone did something bad to me. They don't have a scale of how bad that bad is. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's just something bad happened to me. And then daddy killed this person or beat them up. And of course we got the whole jail, not raise your kids to glass conversation but daddy hurt them what happens if i forget my homework at school is daddy gonna hurt my me what if somebody at school made me cry is daddy gonna hurt them because they don't they don't know where that barometer is or what the context is because little kids just they're not aware of that stuff that's why we don't let five-year-olds drive cars because they're contextually not very well versed and so they just realize i did this thing you're in this huge emotion that's my fault they take ownership and so our reaction trains our kids what's safe to tell us or not. So being able to be open and curious and inquisitive and playful and, and honest and standing in integrity and just being present 
And that's interesting. Why do you think that? Why do you feel that? What led you to that conclusion? That, that's really, I hadn't thought of it that way. Thanks for sharing. I'm building my kid's sense of self-esteem. I'm building my kid's sense of self-worth and that what they say matters. Then it's easier for them also to tell people being inappropriate, hey, stop, I don't like that. Don't touch me, leave me alone. It's easier for them to assert themselves in other situations because we're pre-framing them. When I speak, I get heard by adults. My mom and my dad do it. And so because we build that, we increase their confidence. It makes them a harder target because, you know, from the start, the bullies, the bad people, the predators, they're looking for no boundaries. They're looking for no one's really going to confront me. No one's really going to push back on me. And unfortunately, you know, in the situation you've got, you have somebody that's like, no, I am never going to be okay with this until I know that my nine-year-old can kick the crap out of him if something inappropriate happens. Then I'll take a step back. When my child can protect themselves from the predator, then I'm cool. But until I've that day, that exact, I've said that same exact sentence. I said we were simpatico. Yeah, <laughs> I've said this. Until he can sit there and kick his ass, I have no problem with the stance that I have. And if anybody around me has a problem with it, that's their problem because we'll have that conversation. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's go outside. Let's have that con- not fight, but let's just let's 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 go for a walk around the neighborhood and let's get on the same page. It, it, but that's the challenge in that scenario, right? Because nobody yeah. wants to believe that somebody that they're close to, right, is is that person or potentially right. that person or that anybody else even views them. Look, well, let's just say it's a perfect world and that person is not that person, but yet I right. am in the stance I'm in. So interesting, interesting statistic. Okay. Dan Kennedy, very famous business coach, wrote a whole bunch of books, brilliant guy. Almost every marketer in the world has taken his stuff without whether they realize it or not. For a while, he was working with the number one person in the U.S. on theft in retail businesses. And he said like like 70, 80% of your theft is from your employees, not from anybody else. So the best thing you do is you have cameras everywhere, you have microphones everywhere, and you tell them we're recording everything all the time. And your theft drops because it's not about whether the person would or wouldn't. It's not about need. It was about if they can get caught or not. And if they can't get caught, they'll do all kinds of stuff. He said that this is the, 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 the thief expert. He said 5% of the people in the world population will steal you blind. It's a compulsion. They can't stop themselves. They have to steal all the time. And 5%, if they realize they had a nickel in their pocket that wasn't supposed to be there from going grocery shopping in the pouring rain or snow with two kids, they would still walk back to give the, court, give the coin back. The other 80% of us, 90% of us, we exist in a continuum of, well, given context, we could, our behavior is a lot more flexible than we would like. And so, no, I would never fool around with a child but a teenager who's showing interest and things with my wife were a little hectic and I was a little bit drunk. And you can begin to start putting in these different threads of plausibility of, well, maybe in that one possible situation I could imagine or entertain the thought. So in my model of the world, about 80%, 90% of the world is very behaviorally flexible given the right conditions. 5% will always do you wrong and 5% will always do you right. So for someone to say, well, my family member would never, are they really in that 5%? Mm, More than likely, no. And so my hackles are up. I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that. And I'm I'm willing to entertain the conversation. I'm willing to have my mind changed up to a point. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's been my stance for some time is, is 
but the challenge is, is people aren't willing to have the conversation. I've been, well, my doors have been open for a long time to have conversations and yet other people are unwilling to do so because their own emotional uh, state. So, right. And, and they are where they are and that's, that's where they are. And I respect that. Them or, yeah. It's, it's there where they are. And in the boundary cousin has Bill's, created and it's cousin Bill ain't coming over without, you know, cousin Bill's not being left alone. That's the end of that conversation. If that's, if no one else is going to entertain it, then we have our answer. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk just a little bit about your book. Uh, okay. Tell me what was the impetus of, of, of writing the book for you? Um, honestly, I had been at this point, I had been teaching classes, I've been running a martial arts school for 17 years, and I kept seeing the same patterns over and over in families. And very rarely is it the child that is the problem, it's the parents. And in my experience, parenting is a form of leadership. The dif dif difficulty is, we have so much expectation and impl implicit stuff on our kids and ourselves. As a dad, I should, as a mom, I should, my kids should. And because we're shooting all over ourselves, we're missing a lot of opportunities to change. And a lot of, of dysfunctional stuff, we were parented, and then we have a kid, and then we parent them, and there's rarely a requirement for any kind of parenting classes. Now, my daughter was, was um, she was 14 weeks early, 14 weeks one day. She was one pound, 1.8 ounces. We had mandatory classes because she was going to come home on oxygen. Like we had stuff we had to take, child CPR. That's not the norm for most families. You squirt a kid out, you go home. Congratulations. Yay. Don't want a dog. Got to have a license. To have a child, you got to pass puberty. That's it. Yeah. And so child developmental stages, psychology, uh, positional leadership, uh, positional authority, influential leadership, rapport building, none of that is required. And so – same thing you see in, in martial arts and fighting under stress, people will do what they've experienced first unless they've been trained. And so it's just realizing, you know, you've got a lot of experience. Your parents, they parented you and you liked some of it. You rejected some of it, but under stress, you're going to run their patterns because you don't have any other models unless you've done the work yourself, unless you've yeah. gone and found other people, read more books, practiced these skills, had these thoughts and, and role played inside your own mind. So I wrote your best child ever is this game worth winning because as I realized all kids play games and all kids tell stories. And, and in our Shaolin system, when we bow, we have a right hand makes a fist, left hand makes a palm. The fist represents the tiger, the visible world, the action, the behavior, the emotion, but it's what I call the game. It's the behavior. And then the dragon is the invisible world. It is the, um, the wisdom, the knowledge, the intelligence of what I call the story. The story is the justification and the behavior is the game. So let's create games worth winning. And my dad read a book back in the seventies called games, uh, games people play. And it was all the dysfunctional games and manipulations and the ways people mess with each other. The problem with that book was it never gave you a positive game to play instead. It just said, here's the dysfunction. Here's how to break the game. It's like, but what do you replace it with? So I'm an extrovert, but I, because of the trauma I went through, I became an introvert. And, you know, I would do something stupid and my dad would be like, you should have done this. I'd be like, yeah, well, extenuating circumstance. <laughs> okay. Then you should have done that. Yeah. But more extenuating circumstance. Well, then you should have done this. Yeah. But more extenuating circumstance. And then my dad would correctly say, you're playing the yes, but game, come back and talk to me when you want to be serious. And now what he just did is he just judged my behavior instead of understanding what am I doing and why, and where's it coming from and what can we do different? He labeled my game. He refuses to play my game. 
And at a certain point as a teenager, I'm going to be like, fine, you think you know what I'm thinking and what I believe and what I feel. F you, talk to yourself. And so from 13 to about 26, I kind of just shut down and didn't really tell them anything except what I needed them to know to get what I wanted. Yeah. Very transactional, very Machiavellian, very stimulus response, nothing more. Not what I wanted to do, but didn't really have any other way to do it. And at 26, I realized, well, I'm the first me they've ever raised. I didn't tell them a lot of stuff. Next time they do it, they'll do it right. And that allowed me to release a lot of stuff. But then I started playing with this model of games and because it's all games. It's all about how do we get energy, motivate energy in positive ways, manipulate energy in negative ways. We have to have energy or we die. Biochemical energy, emotional energy, all of the stuff. So your best child ever, how to raise a stable, centered, respectful, self-disciplined, confident, self-motivated, self-directed, successful, wise, wealthy, safe, healthy, happy child for the complete or not so complete beginner. <laughs> and it, it's those are the chapters and then I put a money back guarantee on it because I had been doing this in the martial arts school with kids that I can't use negative reinforcement see parents can be bullies to their kids I can't be bullies to my students because they'll quit and they'll stop paying me so I got to be more creative I got to build yeah. rapport I got to get influence I got to get them to want to shift their behavior to a more functional more harmonious because if you know how to get along with everyone no one wants to beat you up and if anyone tries you have lots of allies mm. Oh, hey, what a great way to live your life. Could have used that when I was a kid. So the way I grew up and the fear and the scarcity informed a lot. And so I just, I just started writing down. Wow. Because I, I kept repeating myself. And this is a game, guys. This is a really simple game we're playing. So I do a birthday party, right? It's two hours. And I don't know these kids from Adam, but we're going to do this. And one of the last things we do is while the pizza's here cooling off is they run down these, these lanes and they knock over this equipment and I'm throwing stuff out and I'm taking all of my safety gear and I'm throwing it on the floor. Those are landmines. Go around the landmines and I'll yell landmine and I'll throw it. We got music playing. It's awesome. And then when we get done, I give them a secret to being invited back anywhere you go. Always leave it better than you found it. So look around the room. Do you like how it looks or could it look better? It could look better. Oh, fantastic. So you guys have two minutes, work together as a team, make the room look better. Mark, is that go? And I walk away and I've got kids. I had a five-year-old in tears because he didn't get to help clean because the seven-year-olds got to the stuff first. <laughs> How many parents have had a five-year-old crying because they didn't get to help clean, right? Yeah. So, but, but because of the way I set up the game, now it's a script. It's like in chapter, I want to say it's in chapter seven or eight. But it's a script. I put it in there. I'm like, here's how I did this. You could get your kids to race each other to clean at home if you frame the game the right way that they want to play it because they know how to win. Yeah. So it's yeah. just how do you start setting this up? You, you get to feel warm, big, and happy. I get to feel warm, big, and happy. It's a win-win. That's a great game. In human society, any game that is not win-win will always fail if you give it a long enough time. Mm. Geopolitical, religious, socioeconomic, none of that matters. If it's not a win-win game, it will fail. It's just it's endemic to our species. So it's in our best interest to like learn how to play win-win games. Also realize you can't play win-win games with everybody. So should I be playing with this person or not? Are they, is this a game? Is it winnable or not? No, exit. Let's go play a game where we, we can win. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that. So, so just in the book, uh, do, do you give a number of those examples of the games that they play? Oh, every single one. So how to raise a stable. Stable is a, is a chapter. Centered is a chapter, respectful is a chapter, self-disciplined is a chapter, confidence is a chapter, and they each have like, here's, here's some stuff to go do. Like, it's all practical, actionable stuff 
I will apologize now, though, because I wrote it the exact same way I talk, so you will hear me inside your head. <laughs> I give it to some friends of mine to, to read the advanced copies, and they were like, ah, get out of my brain. I'm like, what? I hear you. Stop it. I'm like, sorry, not sorry. Well, they know you. They know you, right? I, I get yeah. that from people who have read my book also. They're like, oh, this yeah. is so you. But that's, that, yeah. I think that's the only way we can write, you know, unless yeah. we have a ghostwriter. So, right. I mean, that's right. right. And, and then it doesn't give the full emphasis of what the true meaning. And that's why I chose to wrote my, my, write my own book also. So I, mm -hmm. I love that. Where can people find your book? Uh, it's on Amazon is the best place. Um, there's a Kindle version. There's a, a digital version. You can get the paper rack, whichever way you like it. I have an audio version that I'm not quite done with yet. It's five and a half hours. Um, I just have to do the intro track to the whole thing. Because when I first did it, you couldn't actually upload your own stuff. Um, and they've changed that now. Because before that, you had to have a production company and three three books minimum to get started. And but they've changed that, which is awesome. So yeah, that's the that's the best way to get it, or the fastest way to get it. Um, the other thing they could do is they get a hold of me, and we set up a coaching relationship, and then of course I'll give them the book for free then because it's a value add. Um, the other thing I did too, though, is I frame out. There's a concept called success coaches. Okay. And if you as a parent take on the role of success coach, it's your job to teach your kids how to be successful. So you're a first-line success coach. I'm a second-line success coach because I'm going to help you and help your kids, but I don't live with you Yeah. because that changes the dynamic, gives me a different set of eyes, different set of influence. And so you leverage that versus resist it because then what you say, but then your kids are hearing it from another angle. Aha, uh -huh, we get another layer of support. Um, and so before we even get into the games, I talk about how to actually, what is the components to the game? There's four and how do you structure that out? And so, so there's some getting in the game. Here's some four, four pre chapters. And then we actually go through the games and here's how this framework works in these 12 areas. Um, it really is. I wrote it and I was at the time I was single and I wasn't dating and I didn't have any kids biologically. So that's why I put the money back guarantee on it. Cause I know this stuff works. I'm like, put your money where your mouth is. I'm like, all right, here you go. Buy the book. If you buy one copy, it's not going to change my life, but it will change yours. It'll change your family's life. I guarantee it. it and you know, it's been out since 2012. Yeah. And I love what you're saying there is like, and, and now you are a parent mm -hmm. and yeah. you probably often reference your own book, right? Even though you I live do. It, there are times when you reference your own book because I wrote my book, which is uh, Be the Dad You Wish You Had, uh, yeah. you know, 40 Lessons to Becoming a Powerful uh, Dad. And, and, mm -hmm. and they're very simple lessons for, you know, age, age zero to five. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that when my son was five and my second child was born, you know, a year later. And there's times where I'm in this predicament and I go, I wrote the book on this. What chapter yep. was that? What do I do in this scenario? And I really yeah. pause and say, yeah. what is the best course of action? Because I'm human and emotions get the best of me and scenarios get yep. the best of me sometimes. But if, if I yep. learn to pause and go, how do I handle this scenario? And is it the best way that I could handle it with the knowledge that I have yeah. right now? And I think that's Absolutely. what's most important. I think that's what you, the reason you wrote the book, right? You know, you don't know it all, but you know that what <laughs> you know works. So I'm learning so much in, in yeah. this conversation i'm excited to go and order a copy of the book right after this um, uh, because i can't have too many tools in my toolbox right
Well, it really is. A lot of what I've done also, it gives you a framework to hang lots of other tools. It's a skeleton that you can put your own meat on because I don't tell you you have to play my games. I give you the logic and here's an example of the game, but it all has to be what I call ecological. It has to live in your reality. It has to be sustainable, right? Because you're going to do this thing and it's such this giant, huge stretch. I have a bunch of buddies that are doing um, 75 hard and it's two workouts up, two workouts a day. 45 minutes each, one of them has to be outside. How many of them are going to sustain that after the 75 days? But one how workout many are a day. Get through, how many are going to get through the 75 days? And, and, oh, yeah. And well, if you, if you miss one circle. of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anybody miss anything, they have to go back to day one, too. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, crap. Yeah. But it's, it's maybe the two workouts isn't there. Maybe all these pieces, the gallon of water, the personal development, maybe all that stuff's not there, but the work, one workout a day, maybe that continues the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the whole point is, is pick something that you can action that's going to fit because the whole entire book, it, it's just, here's my best practices. It's a snapshot in time, but yeah. it's a skeleton that you now have a set of filters. Aha. I realized that game. I could play a different game. Cause like, why do two year olds run away from parents? Cause I get more energy being picked up. So I'm going to make you play the chase me, pick me game mm -hmm. versus the stay next to mom game. Cause if I stay next to mom or dad and every time, every 15 seconds, are you standing right there? Oh my gosh, you're doing such a good job listening. High five. And then you go a little bit further shopping. Wait, you're right there being helpful. I love it. You're amazing. Pound it. If I'm giving them energy every 15, 20, 30, 90 seconds, and I'm randomizing it. Do they want to run away for energy or they want to stay close for energy? Right? Because we're energy addicts. I'm just reinforcing, I love that behavior. That's so awesome. Thank you. High five. I did that. I did that. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'm building their identity stronger. And, and I call that reward the behavior you desire. That's one of the chapters in my book, right? Just reward yeah. the behavior you desire. And they're going to yeah. do that because like, wow, <laughs> I got all the attention I need for just mm -hmm. being exactly. But too often it's, it's the opposite, right? Parents yeah. lean towards, oh, you did that wrong. You did this wrong. You did mm -hmm. And that's the only attention they get. And they say, why is my kid such a pain in the rear end? Well, because that's when you, that's what you keep. Attention. Yeah, it was what, what you're rewarding. Yep. Yeah, your, your energy is reward, right? And in, in, in psychology, they call it positive strokes, which I think given the context of abuse to children, they should probably change that term. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's the idea that, yeah, that negative energy is connection. It is energy flow. Even if I, I need the quantity of energy, vertical axis, then we can talk quality, positive, negative. That's second. If I need a thousand units of energy and I did everything mom and dad asked me to do and it was their expectation and I get, that was a good job today. And I get 15 units of energy for like everything perfect. Well, I'm going to go pick a, I'm going to tantrum and slam some stuff because now I get 2000 units of energy. I win because I got to get that quantity. Mm -hmm. Then we'll talk quality, warm, big, happy, small, sad, cold, positive, negative. We'll talk that second. And that's parents don't realize that it's like, you've got a higher, I'm high energy, ran into traffic, climbed on the, the roof of the house when I was four. I mean, I was raised <laughs> on a leash for a reason. My brother could sit and watch grass grow and be totally chill and just comfortable and happy. Massively different energy needs. Yeah. But try to raise us both the same. Well, I want to be fair to my kids. I'm going to give them equal treatment. Uh, no, I was an energy monster. I literally would play so hard. Like I would, there was a couple of times I went to bed standing up in my crib because that was just, I was up and I was yelling and whatever. And I fell asleep standing up and I literally slept the whole night standing up. Wow. That's me. Yeah. Not right, not wrong. That's me. And my brother, you know, I actually had a student when he was a baby, he would cry with his mouth closed. Oh, wow. Massive introvert. Wow. 
That, yeah. It's, it, well, as you're describing this, I, I think I have you and your brother in my household right now. <laughs> <laughs> you have a Tigger and a Neor. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. It, it's fantastic. Hey, hey, you, you and I can talk all day long. We go a bunch of different ways. I'd like to just have you wrap up. It, it, it's great you wrote the book. You obviously mm-hmm. uh, are a Kung Fu master, so you have a ton of experience. But you shared something right before we got on that you have a 12-week program. Uh, yes. To, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I got to teach dads uh, kind of like a dad boot camp. That's how I envision in my mind. Could you tell That's us a little bit about point. that and, yes. and, 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 and how people could get involved with that? Because I think uh, any dad who can um, learn better strategies that make sense and, and it's mm-hmm. coming from another dad. A lot, of, a lot of these parenting books, right, are geared and written by women. Uh, I think yep. if we get it from the, a male perspective, someone that we uh, can resonate with, that, that we can have an impact. Because I imagine, based on what your book did, you're going to make this boot camp pretty fun. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I'm running one right now. And the, the insights and the feedback I'm getting from these dads is really incredible. And it's, a, it's, it's delivered through Facebook. And I go, I go live on Monday and deliver content. And then Wednesday, we do a live Q&A. And then Friday, I do a one-on-one with somebody, like a private coaching that everyone gets to watch. And because I live in the real world, nobody has to be there live when I deliver. You have two days to consume the content and ask questions for Wednesday. You have two days to like process to volunteer or I'll reach out to you for Friday if I'm thinking of someone particular for that content. Um, but that way you can watch it on your own time. And I'm actually going through now and, and breaking it in, into, into chunks. So it's like, this is a 15 minute clip, this is a 30 minute clip versus you have to watch the whole hour. So it's, it's more consumable. It's more practical. And the 12 weeks you know, we walk through the stages, the first four is really getting clear on yourself mm-hmm. as a man, masculine energy versus feminine. They're both there. And so I don't like to talk about men do blah, women do blah. It's, Masculine polarity drives these types of behaviors. Feminine polarity drives these types of behaviors. And then when they're in scarcity, they behave one way. And when they're in abundance, they behave in a different way. And we have access to both. You know, the whole nice guy syndrome is a lot of men living in their feminine people pleasing. And you lose polarity in your intimate relationship because you're a doormat and she doesn't respect you. She doesn't feel safe with you. If she's feminine or core, she has to feel safe. And so, like, how do you show up with polarity? Not be a jerk and run roughshod over everyone, but powerful presence. How can you, quote, unquote, own your woman in all the right ways? And she can own you. It's a really cool experience. And there's a lot of fun that can be played there. So we walk through these stages. And the first four is all about you as a dad and as a man. And then the next four, we get into, like, your kids and how are they processing and how do you influence them and lead them. How can you channel your conversation where they'll actually receive it? Because you might be talking to someone who needs to see what you're saying and you're talking to them and you're just going to miscue simply because different communication styles. And I actually covered that also in Your Best Child Ever, Is This Game Worth Winning? Um, And then the last section is about socially and how you drive forward the rest of your life and helping them to have values and where do they stand and what do they believe. So we're walking through those stages, basically. So each month kind of has a theme, and then there's uh, four weeks of content on each. And then, um, yeah, it's it's a small group. So my target is about no more than about 30 dads because I want to make sure I know everybody in there and what's going on with them so I can really get content that's going to add value. Um, I'm basically a strategic interventionist. That means you give me a situation. I will give you strategies to pivot the whole conversation. I don't do therapy. 
um, I help people resolve stuff like today. Like, let's have a conversation. Let's get this resolved today. 50 years of trauma, gone. Um, because that, that's, I have training and certifications in that. And so I've worked that into this process as well so that you can begin to reframe yourself. And we're using some of the, the neurological tools. How can you change and pivot a moment so that it doesn't have to drive you the rest of your life? You know, if you're beating yourself up and then your wife is feeding into that, now she's beating you up for you beating up yourself. And it's a perfect storm of misery. And so many guys are trapped there. And like, I want to provide and I want to protect and I want to be present but I'm working 20 hours a day. I'm depleted. How do I, how do I do all this? So we talk about that because it's really an important skill. Um, and it, it literally, literally is just a skill that you can learn. No one was born with the ability magically to have an amazing marriage or an amazing sense of self. It's, it's something we have to build. For masculine, we form ourselves right? The, the life is the crucible. It's the hammer and it's, we choose how to be strengthened. Or like you said earlier with the difficult conversations, run away from that and not have it. No, you're forging those hard conversations, go into it. Because the more you handle that, the more you lean into the things you fear, the more you have a superpower that nobody can take from you and nobody can give to you. You have to create it. And it's, and it's, it's called, as, as you say that, uh, the word that just comes to me is confidence. And, yeah. and what is more attractive to a woman than a confident man? Not Absolutely. You can handle Life throws it at you. I got this. That's like the sexiest thing you could say to your wife or your woman is I got this. And actually you got it. You mean it and you can deliver. Mm-hmm. It's like the coolest. So I call it winning the fatherhood game. I'm not stuck on the name, but that's what I'm calling it right now. And best way to do it is just get a hold of me either through Facebook, um, which is Jeremy R. The Kung Fu Guy, or go to theparentingprogram.com and shoot me an email, Jeremy at theparentingprogram.com and just say I'm interested. And uh, we'll go from there. I'll yes. put together a wait list. So again, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna sum that up for for the, yeah. for the listeners. Is 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 Please you're do. a guy who has some challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you're not doing it perfect, but you want more out of your uh, parenting style, right? You you want to be more mm-hmm. confident with your children. You want to be more involved. You want to be more engaged with your wife, and you want to live in this holistic like space that you think is virtually un- impossible right now. And it, and it may be impossible for you right now because you just don't have, as Jeremy described it, the skills to do so. At the end of 12 weeks, we're going to work on yourself. You're going to work on communication skills. And then we're going to put some of those things into practice. And by the end of the 12 weeks, you're going to come out with the confidence to make sure that you can live that life that you desire. And the best way to find that is at what website? It's theparentingprogram.com. And right. then you want to just shoot me an email, Jeremy at theparentingprogram.com. Fantastic. Jeremy, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Again, I can talk to dads, parents, people who want to be better for hours and hours and hours, but I don't think our listeners have that much time. So I just want to thank everybody. I say it every single episode. I don't know if I touched on it this episode, but I don't know Jack about parenting. And the whole reason I bring people on like this and the reason I share the stories that I share with you as an audience is because I'm trying to better myself each and every day so that I could be a better version of myself for my children. So, and I hope that's what this program brings to you. Thank you once again, Jeremy, for being here. Um, And we'll listen to, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Do you want to be the dad you wish you had? If so, go get my free book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had at be the dad you wish you had.com. 
Inside, you'll find my most effective 40 tips to quickly and easily transform yourself into the ideal dad. Go to be the dad you wish you had.com now and get it while it's free.